summer's a good time because for me, I like to travel. I like to go places. I like to see new things. I like to experience things. For some of you, you would rather never step foot out of your house, and that's perfectly fine. But for me, I love to travel. Give me a ticket, and I'll ask where we're going. I'll just go. It's just a lot of fun. Beck and I get to travel. That's my wife. We get to travel quite a bit, and we're very blessed to do that. That's, the, I guess, the beauty of not having kids right now. So um, if that day ever comes, I guess we'll hold back a little bit on that. But love traveling. But one of the things I love the most is I love flying. I love going to the airport. I love walking and being, if you've never been to the airport and you don't like planes, just go watch the people. It's fantastic. They're watching you, you're watching them. It's a mutual thing. We all know we're judging each other. Maybe you're not, but it's fun. It's a good time. I love the idea that everybody is headed somewhere. Everybody is going somewhere. Everybody has a mission. For some, they have just landed and they're seeing that face for the first time. For some, it's in anticipation of getting on that flight for the first time maybe, but it's worth it to go see a place they've never seen before. For some, it's not as, as happy, as, as maybe more sorrowful, but everybody has a place that they're headed. And I love traveling. I love, I, love, I love going places, and I love going places in cars too and trains. But if I'm being honest, cars are probably my least favorite way of traveling unless I'm going somewhere new. For instance, my frustration comes out in traveling on the interstate. I know I'm not the only one, but it comes out on the interstate. I love trucking right along where everybody's doing what we're supposed to do. The fast people are going fast in the fast lane. The middle people are going the middle speed and, and the slow people and slow, the cautious people are in the right lane. But then you get that person that should be in the cautious lane, but they got their lefts and their rights confused. And then you come up on them and you're like, please scoot over politely. But I love it when it's going well and everybody's just cruising right along. But one of the things that makes my stomach drop the most is when I see brake lights on the interstate. And I know the last exit for the next three miles, I just passed it. And I know there's nothing I can do. And there's brake lights here, there. And all like the good citizens, we all start to slow down. Some of us do it nicely. Others of us forget they're actually brake lights and what they mean. And we have to stop into the lane to the left of us or to the right of us. But we stop. We slow down. And we see that flashing light. It says caution. Lane merge. And so we, as good citizens, merge into the lanes and we keep going. And then we see road work, another sign. The next five miles. We're like, oh my goodness gracious. But we keep doing it. We merge. But then about three or four minutes into the, the trip of the merging and the road work, all of a sudden we start picking up speed again. And you go a little faster. And you go a little faster. And before you know it, you're going to the speed that you were going, and you look around and go, wait a minute, there's not any road work. There's not any construction. What happens is the one person that was supposed to turn that sign off that night did not turn it off, and so the next day, he's causing havoc for everybody. That sign in its proper place, in its proper time, is fantastic, but when it's not, well, it makes my blood boil. And it frustrates me. See, that sign in that moment didn't really matter a lot. In fact, it was actually causing a roadblock instead of doing what it was supposed to do. And we approach this in life all the time, and we see it that way. So maybe it's not road work for you, but maybe you're, you're in business meetings, and you have to have a meeting, and two minutes into that hour-long business meeting, you think to yourself, my goodness, this could have been an email 
It'd been fantastic. Or maybe for you, it's, it's, you're, you're, struggling to, you're struggling to wrap your mind around something and, you, and someone comes up to you and they're trying to help you with that, but actually their example makes it worse than what it was supposed to be. And you look and go, you meant to do all the good in the world, but you really just put another roadblock in my way. And, and this is where it gets tough. And speaking to the ones in the room who would say they're Christians, Christ followers, you place your faith in Jesus. And if you haven't, that's okay. We're going to get to you in a second. We're going to talk about some things. But unfortunately, we do this as Christians as well. There are many of you who may have been walking through your, your life, walking with Christ, and all of a sudden someone put something in your way that on the surface looked good on the surface was going to help you in your faith and help you grow and help you become more like Christ. But as you started to dig down a little bit underneath, you realize that Jesus had never talked about it. Scripture didn't ever talk about it. It was just a rule. It was just a regulation. It was just something that put a burden on you or, an, or using what the New Testament would say, a yoke, something that would steer cattle and it becomes heavy. And for you at that moment, your guard came up. You realize that Christianity isn't what it was supposed to be. You thought Christianity was about a relationship with Jesus, but now all of a sudden there's rules and there's regulations and there's these things that are stopping him. For other of us, maybe you're here today or you, you know a friend especially, I'm sure all of us do, who was wanting to become a Christian, but then they saw these rules and these regulations and they saw what was going on and they're like, I don't want anything to do with that. That's not a, that's not a religion of love. That's, not a, that's just a religion of checking, checking off the box, crossing the T's, dotting the I's. If the doors are open in the church, you have to be there. If, if you've got to stay the entire time. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want. But it's times, as Christians, I'm, I'm including myself in this because it's comfortable, we'll put expectations on people that simply Jesus never put on us. We'll put expectations on things that we think somebody else should do, knowing that we really don't even do those that well ourselves. And the truth is, this isn't new. This isn't new information. In, in, the, in the world today, in, that, in fact, in our county, Gordon County, three-fourths of our county are not in church, and for many of them, the reason is that. They've lost the sight of a relationship. They never even got to the relationship because they thought they had to have it all together before they could come to Jesus, and Jesus didn't say that at all. He didn't say memorize this much scripture. He didn't say know these verses. He didn't say you need to attend church five times before you come, come to him. No, he said just come to me as you are. But unfortunately, we put roadblocks. We put things up, and they have become trivial things, hence the title of this message. And trivial, defining it as this of very little importance or value and significant, commonplace, or ordinary. Of very little importance, of very little value. As we continue on as Christians and still speaking to the ones who would say they're Christ followers in the room, there are times where we will simply put things of little importance just because it makes us feel we maybe get bored with the way things are supposed to do. So we say, well, you need to attend this, and you need to do this, and you need to jump, do jumping jacks 10 times in a row. Well, I don't know what it is, but what, in our mind, it makes us feel good. But what it's doing is actually putting the divide between someone and Christ. And today what I'm going to talk about is actually a, something I'm very passionate about. 
something that I've actually talked about. If you go back, if you were here in October, uh, the last week of um, 2017 in December, we looked at this whole chapter. We're only going to be looking at a few verses. But this is something I do believe will set us apart if we apply what happened. This is something I do believe that would set the church apart as the whole, the big C church, the, the capital church, if we apply this. And unfortunately, we have some people to look at. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were the Gospels. They're the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament. After that is a book called Acts. And in the book of Acts, it's the forming of the early church. And as with anything forming, there are a lot of opinions. There are a lot of things that have happened. There are a lot of ways we think we should do things. Some say we should do it this way. Some say we should do it that way. But here's what I want you to know. Everybody coming in is bringing baggage. We all carry baggage, don't we? If you grew up in the church all your life, you've got church baggage. If you didn't grow up in church all your life, you've got the not-in-church baggage. But we all carry ideas. And we all carry opinions, which is good because we are free thinkers. We are, we are, God has created us to do that. But as we will see here in Acts 15... This was something that could have split the church. See, a couple of things were happening here. Many people were coming to know Christ. Jews who had grown up with the Old Testament, who, which would have been called the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Law, they had actually received Christ. But what they were carrying with them were the Mosaic Laws of saying that Moses said, you must be circumcised. So you had one side saying, hey, to become a Christian Gentile, which would be us, non-Jews, you must be circumcised. You must abide by the old covenant before you can come to the new covenant. But on the other side, you had people going, no. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not abolish it, but he did fulfill it. And in that, there's grace and there's forgiveness. So you had these two. They were, Jesus was the center of it all, but there are two ways to get to Jesus. So what happens is you have something called the Council of Jerusalem. And this is where I would say the brightest minds of the day come together. And they call everybody in. But there were two people in particular who were out blazing a trail for the Gentiles. And they were Paul and Barnabas. Give you a little insight. Paul was the one you've heard about. Paul was recently saw before this. He had actually killed Christians. Now he was going out leading everybody to Christ. But Paul and Barnabas were going and they were preaching grace, grace, grace through faith, grace through faith, grace through faith. But as they were doing this, there were other people saying, no, it's not just grace, it's grace and. You've got to do this, you've got to accept Christ, but you've also got to do X, Y, and Z. And so we get everybody together at the council, Paul and Barnabas show up. Everybody's talking, everybody's excited about what's going on. I imagine, I, I really imagine, I love American history, and I'm going through a book right now, John Adams by David McCullough. If you've never read it, if you love history, read it. But I love the American history, and I imagine it's like the movies we've seen where you've got all these passionate people who care about something, but they have different ways of getting it. So the, the room is tense, and it's probably hot, and everybody, there may be some shouting going on, and Paul and Barnabas walk in. And once they walk in, a, a Pharisee steps up and says, hey, here's what I think should happen. And side note, Pharisees did become Christians. There were some people who, put, who crucified Christ and afterwards turned to him and followed him. But unfortunately, the Pharisees were still carrying the old covenant, the old way of doing things, the Mosaic laws, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the law, and they were holding on to it so tightly. And they step up and say, hey, here's what I think we should do. 
I think you must be circumcised to be a Christian. Yes, it's grace, but it's grace and. So the Pharisees say their peace. I imagine the ones who are on their side give them a nice split of applause. The ones on the other side go, this is crazy. This is horrendous. I kind of picture it like a State of the Union address. Half are happy, half are sad. There's some in the middle who don't know what to do, so they look at everybody else. And then it continues, though. Peter speaks. Now, Peter, and I'm going to get to the verses in a second, but Peter, as you know, was one of the apostles, was one of my favorite, the twelve. Had a little hothead, had a little temper. He's the one that cut his, cut his uh, cut an ear off of a soldier. He's the one that denied Christ three times. He's the one that walked on water. He's the one who was called great at one second, the next second called Satan by Jesus himself. I don't know if you've ever been called Satan by Jesus himself, but Peter had been. I love Peter. And Peter was the one also, after Jesus' resurrection, where Jesus came to him asking three times, do you love him, over a fish fry and then the church was started. So this is this Peter, and Peter steps up. Peter was a devout Jew. Peter loved his Jewish heritage, but if you read in Scripture, God had something different for him, and actually Peter went to the Gentiles and preached grace through faith, and when someone received Christ through faith, the Holy Spirit would have come upon him. And that's what Peter stands up and he says. He says, look, I was, I was like you, but it's grace through faith, and that's it. There's nothing else to it. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't be circumcised enough to get into heaven. You can't law and regulate and follow and legalize anything to Jesus. It's grace through faith. So Peter's saying all that, and then he says this, which I think is quite interesting. So in Acts 15, looking at verse 10, he also says this, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Peter looks at the ones who are arguing for the, the Mosaic Law and goes, you can't do it. You can't hold it. That's why Jesus came you couldn't keep it all up. You can't do it. So what you want to do, even though you can't hold it, is put it on the necks of somebody else? How many of us do that in life? Because of maybe it's just the way we were raised, and we've never even thought about why we do things the way we do, but we're not really good at doing things, but we think that's the best way we should do things, so when we, someone asks us to do something, we do it that way. But we never even think to go, is it, is it scriptural? Does Jesus teach on it? I love tradition, and tradition's good. I love repetition. I love repetition's good. But is it scriptural? Or does it just make us feel good? Because what we know, if it's not scriptural, and trivial is never scriptural, by the way. Truth is never trivial. Jesus is never trivial. But if it's something that keeps somebody from coming to Christ, then that is very trivial. And at this moment, circumcision the Mosaic law was that. And Peter just says, wait a minute, guys. We can't even do this. But we're expecting someone else to do it. And we're the top of the top. We're here because we seem to know what's going on. They, they, we brought us together at the council, and we can't do this. So Peter says that, and then Paul and Barnabas step back up again, and Paul starts talking about grace and what God has been doing, and, and everything's going well, and how people are getting saved. And again, Paul was also a Jew. 
Paul was the one, he was, a fair, he, was the, he was the most religious. He knew what was going on. He knew the law backwards and forwards and sideways. But Paul says, it's grace through faith. Jesus changed my life forever. It's grace through faith. When I met him on the road to Damascus, this is my, this is my interpretation, Paul would say. And Jesus shone a light and he said, Paul, why are you per- persecuting me? And all of a sudden, my life was changed forever. Jesus didn't say, go do this, this, and this. He said, no, at that moment, my life was changed forever. And that's what grace does. And I think Paul and Barnabas were going on and they were getting back and forth. And they're this side's rallying up again. And this side's kind of, well, I mean, they were one of us and now they're not one of us. And, but we're all one of us. And, and so isn't it crazy, by the way, that how Christians can be on different sides and still be for Jesus? We'd get a lot more done if we just worked together. But then James steps up. A little bit about James. James was the half-brother of Jesus. I'm an only child, but think about you having a brother who was perfect, literally. Think about that. You're growing up together. Mary and Joseph asked who did it. You know who did it. It's like, that was me. And they go, yeah, we know it was you. You're perfect. Perfect. One of my favorite pastors says this, what would it take to convince you that your brother was the savior of the world? Well, James believes that. And James, we find out, is the head of the church. And James steps up. Having watched Jesus from afar, probably hated him growing up because Jesus was the perfect one. Going through school, well, well, Jesus did it this way. Well, of course Jesus did it this way. I'll never be Jesus. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be 100% selfless. I'm never going to be 100% full of truth and full of grace. I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be fully man and fully God. He's Jesus and that, but Jesus had convinced James that he was a savior, and James believes it wholeheartedly. And what I'm about to read here is what our first week's going to be about. If we get this right, we will see people come to know Christ. We will see the numbers of this county go down. If we get this right, people will turn back to Jesus. If we get this right, we will start caring more about outside than what happens inside. If we get this right, we will care more about seeing people know Jesus than whatever happens in this building because the building's a building. We're the church. We're people. If we get this right, this could change everything. But if we don't, I don't want to stand in front of Christ and go, why didn't you? So James talks, and this is what James says in Acts 15, verse 19. He's the head of the church, and he's heard everybody talk. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who who are turning to God. It's my judgment, another way of saying it, that we should make it as easy as possible for people to know Jesus. No, they don't have to have it all figured out. No, they don't have to know all the tradition. No, they don't have to know all the Old Testament. No, they don't have to dress a certain way. No, they don't have to look a certain way. Yes, they could have lived like heck the night before and Sunday morning they can meet Jesus. That is grace. And he said, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should do whatever it takes. And you know what he's saying? It's grace and grace alone. So the, the ones who wanted the Mosaic Law, he said, hey, put your preference aside. 
for theirs. We should not make it difficult for those who are coming to Christ. But we're good at that as church people. You may be in here today and you finally came to Christ, but it was difficult for you because you couldn't get over A, B, and C that someone had put in your way that's trivial. Let me make this very clear. Grace is simple, but living for Christ is the hardest thing you will ever do. Grace is simple. It is getting what you don't deserve, deserving death and you getting life to the full. And you receive that freely. But living a life for Christ can be tough. So why in the world would we as Christians put things in the way of people who are trying to achieve the same thing that we have? The question I would ask is, have you forgotten what it means and what it felt like to need a Savior? Have you forgotten what it felt like to know Jesus? Because we get in our routines. We know certain people. We sit in certain seats. We go in this door every time. I want to sit five rows back, and I want to go to the restroom at this point. And in the first few minutes of the service, they're going to say this, 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 and this. But what about that person in here who's giving God one more shot? Or maybe the only shot? Why do we put so much on welcoming a guest? It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for those who are coming to God. Why do we introduce ourselves every Sunday? It is, therefore, that we should not make it difficult so we can answer questions before they're asked. Sure, if you come every week, you know who you are. You're like, yeah, that's Jeremy. He's a He's a pastor. Or what about the person coming for the first time or maybe the last time? Which leads me into Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Here's what Paul based it on. And this is what we should base it on as a church. So we got James who's saying we shouldn't make it difficult, the brother of Jesus. And here's what Paul says again to the, to the church in Ephesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Not by grace and X, Y, Z. By grace through faith and faith alone. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. If you have to earn your salvation, then guess what? You don't have salvation. You can never earn it. The best we could do is, is, is junk compared to what Christ has. But he says, by faith, by grace through faith, you have been saved. That's what this county needs to know. It is by grace through faith. It's not by keeping X, Y, and Z commands and doing this all the time. That helps us. But if it, comes, it becomes a hindrance to us, then guess what to others, then that means it's trivial. That road sign in its proper place does a lot of good. But that road sign on nine, at 9 a.m. in rush hour traffic does not do much good. Another way of saying this. In light of this, are we willing to make a point? Or are we willing to make a difference? People need to know Jesus. So for us in the room, the question I would ask is this. For those in the room who would say they're Christians, is your expectation of salvation higher 
than God's design through Jesus? Is your expectation of salvation higher than God's way through Jesus Christ? Is your expectation higher than God's? If it's more than grace, then your expectation is higher. It is grace. It is grace. It is grace through faith. Truth comes, absolutely truth comes, but it's grace. So for us in the room who have been in church for a long time, who know it backwards and forwards, have we forgotten what it was like to need a Savior? Have we forgotten what it was like to come into a church for the first time scared to death because you don't know where to go and what to do? Have we forgotten what it was like to be past church after church after church and not know which one should I go to? Well, this sign says this and this sign says that. I love Gordon County, but we can bounce rocks off of all of our church roofs around here. Have we forgotten what it was like to walk down an aisle in a room? This, this room is intimidating, by the way. Big rooms are lights on, lights off, shows, slideshows, music, choir. This room is still intimidating at times. Have we forgotten? We should not make it difficult. The bottom line, what I'd love for us to walk away with, meet Christ's expectation and don't expect him to meet yours. If we're meeting Christ's expectation of grace and grace alone, we don't have to worry about him meeting ours. We have ideas. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. We have ways of doing things. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. But it's grace through faith. Is your expectation of salvation higher? And what does that mean? That means that anybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ can be saved. No matter what they did yesterday, no matter what they did last night, no matter who they hurt, no matter what they did this morning. If at this moment someone was to call on the name of Jesus Christ through grace, they could be saved. That should be our heartbeat as a church. Now to the ones in the room, though, who maybe you're here and maybe you've, you've kind of been put off by the church. There are many people who never attend the church again because of bad church experiences. It's, it's true, you can read heartbreak after heartbreaking story of people who had a bad church experience because of someone sat in their seat or they weren't welcomed just right. And you can go, well, good goodness, Jeremy, you're making a big deal. I am because salvation is a big deal. But maybe you're here today and you're giving God one more shot or you're here and you don't even know why you're here. You're not even sure, you don't even know what a Baptist believes. You don't even know what kind of denomination you just put on the road. Or maybe you've been putting these walls up for so long because you've been listening to people who've been saying you've got to have grace and X, Y, and Z. But have you ever heard it's through grace, through faith, and that's it? That today, right now, you can begin a relationship a loving relationship with a Savior who gave his life for you. I'll be the first to admit, I'm, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, but I'm still not perfect. I will let you down. I will say things I shouldn't. I will act in ways I shouldn't, but here's what I am. By grace, I am saved.
through faith. And that's all that matters. So maybe for some of you, you've been just over and over in your head, well, once I get this straightened out in my life, and once I get this straightened out in my life, and once I do this, no. What if it was just right now you just said, Jesus, I just, I just want to begin a relationship with you. What does that look like? By simply calling on him, believing in him, his life, death, and his resurrection, asking him to forgive you of your sins, and that's it. You go, well, Jeremy, that's kind of simple and childish. Yeah, Jesus didn't shy away from that either. He said, come to me as a child. So what would it look like for you if you did that? And for other of us in here, we're not sure where we're, we're at with the church. And we've grown in church all of our life. We've grown up in a building. We've seen good. We've seen bad. And unfortunately, we've seen the ugly at times. We've seen what could potentially have happened in Acts 15 of church splits. We've seen people leave. We've seen people come. We've seen people go. I'm telling you this. People may let you down, but Jesus will never let you down. Don't judge your relationship based on somebody else's expectation. Judge your relationship on Christ and Christ alone. Because his expectation is all that matters. So wherever you're at today, if you call Metadale home, if you're a member here, if you want to be a member here, well, here, you know our heartbeat. You know, you know my heartbeat at least. I don't want to make it difficult for those who are coming to know Christ. And once they come to know Jesus, then guess what? We spend a lifetime growing in him, and that's the discipleship, and that's where it comes in, and that's where truth happens. But you can't disciple someone who doesn't know Jesus. So we shouldn't make it difficult. Grace through faith. So what would it look like to approach life like that? Remove everything that's trivial out of the way. Yes, at times it can be important, but what, remove everything that's trivial and not make it difficult. Grace through faith. We're going to close with a song. As always, if you, if you attend, the, the altars on each side are open. And what does these mean? You don't, it's not something you have to go to, but sometimes a believer likes to get on their knees in front of Christ. I'll be standing down here and we can talk and we can pray. We can talk about salvation. We can talk about what it would look like to become a member here. We can talk a lot, a lot about different things. But my prayer is this for everybody in the room, that you don't won't let this just be the last song and you close and then we can head out to eat, but it'll be reflective. You'll take an inside look on maybe some things you put up as you thought were real, but maybe are trivial. And you'll take a real solid hard look at your life and where Jesus is at in it. I'd love to pray for us. God, I do thank you. I thank you that we can be a church that wants to see people know you as Savior and then spend a lifetime growing in you. That we can be a church that wants to see people come to know you. And yes, we have our traditions, and yes, we have things that we do things, but Lord, I'll, I pray that you will let us take a look at going. If this is causing somebody to not come to know you, and it's not something that you have required, then may we take a hard look at that and see how much value we should actually place on it. 
Because at the end of the day, it's not a style that saves somebody. It's not a building that saves somebody. It's not a seat that saves somebody. It's not a book that saves somebody. But Jesus, it is you and you alone. So Lord, I pray that's our heartbeat. So for the ones in here who maybe haven't taken a look at their life in a while and some things have come up that are trivial and they put expectation, they place value on it that really maybe isn't as valuable as they think, Lord, I pray that you will help them to remove that. And for the one in this room who maybe who have had a bad church experience, maybe have been burned time and time again, may they see you speaking through me that it's not about us, but it's about you. And Lord, for anybody else in this room who's struggling right now, life's thrown them a curve, times are tough. Jesus, your name is powerful. Lord, I pray that they will find rest in you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.